It's time for another episode of your favorite fan-driven sports podcast. The Horn Brothers are all here. It's time to sound the horn. Welcome back to another episode of the Sound the Horn Sports Podcast. Ben, Danny, Riley, the Horn Brothers are all here. How's it going, guys? You know, it's going. We got some, uh, well, luckily I've been really into college basketball because we got the Super Bowl. It's about all that's left until baseball season gets going again. So luckily I have been getting pretty well into my Boise State Broncos basketball, but uh, keep me going a little bit. Yeah, I'm getting real antsy for baseball season. I've started workouts with my high school team, and I'm just like, when is baseball here? So, But Super Bowl, I'm excited. NFL playoffs have been fun to watch so far. So um, we're excited to get to that Super Bowl and see the finale. I feel like I'm very behind on my college basketball. I'll let you bring that up, Ben. And I need to do some research because we're, we're almost to March. And I, I don't want to be embarrassed by my wife. Again, like it happens every year. So I got to figure out what's happening here uh, as we get into the brackets. But um, and I know you guys are just basking. It's been you especially basking in the glory that is Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl. Earned it every step of the way, right? Um, making it happen. So congratulations to the Chiefs and the Eagles. Uh, the 49ers just too bad with the with the injuries. They just... Although I was interested, I was like, hey, let's have McCaffrey go out there and quarterback for a little bit. You know, like, let's see what he can do. It could have could have been interesting, but. I am just, so I'm going to do my little thing and I'm going to run on a little bit on both sides. So first of all. Wait, wait we're not talking officials, are we? Well, we will, but let's. let's we're not. I thought we banned officials from there. this podcast. That's my rant. So go ahead and shush it. All right. So, first of all, I, I could mute it. So I, I hate the Eagles. I mean, the fans outside of Yankees fans, there are barely, and the Eagle fans may out obnoxious the Yankee fans, but there is nothing more obnoxious than Eagles fans. And, hey, can and I interject on that? The Eagles themselves are almost as bad. Like, Watching that game, the more I watched it, the more I kept just like, man, I hate this team. I don't want them to win. I don't want them to be successful. They're a bunch of punks. Their fans are mean to a guy's wife. There's a story of 49ers wife leaving in tears because fans are so unbelievably rude to her. That is ridiculous. I can't handle it. I want the Eagles to go down so hard. It's not possible. Next. Not just any guy. Fred Warner, BYU. You know, oh, it was Fred Warner's th- wife. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can, and, and can I also game... say Eagles fans are ridiculous on another level? Did you see the video of the like in the church, the pastor like leading them to the Eagles like the fight fly song? Eagles fly. fly yeah. Eagles fly in the middle of church. That was hilarious. I'm sorry. I had to that it was enjoyable. They're just obnoxious. I'll get in a little bit more to my just, well, no, I'm gonna keep going. So now since I'm talking about Eagles Niners. If like the second thing is the Eagles have had like the easiest record all season. They've basically played nobody. They beat a, you know, a garbage overrated New York giants team with Daniel Jones at quarterback in the playoffs. And then they get to play the Niners and the Niners can't even keep their fourth string quarterback on the field. So then they get their third string quarterback again and they get him back in the game and he throws the ball three yards. Cause he's got a torn UCL and they just hand off all game. And they're like, yeah, we're going to the super bowl, dude, you didn't even do anything. Like wh- what did you do? Like, I, I, they earned a one seed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Professor Sheffield from Speech and Debate when I went to Lewis Clark State College. If you listen to this, I know you're an Eagles fan, but man, it's just so obnoxious to me. Like, unreal. You know, I find this interesting. And we should mention, as Tom Brady's number one like fan, Ben, like Tom Brady's officially retired. Maybe. Again. We'll see. Again. Probably for real this time, but yeah, I would say for real. 
I think it's I think it's fascinating that you're saying that the Eagles got a free pass to the Super Bowl. When if you look at the Eagles or the Patriots passes to the Super Bowl, lots of times during Tom Brady's career, yeah, they, they walked through the, the, AF, the AFC in, East in, in, because it was Colts. They had to be super easy. He didn't play. They had to be Peyton Patrick Manning in the playoffs that often. They had to, yeah, they and did, Peyton did. always choked in the playoffs. He yeah, choked in the playoffs with the like Colts the and the Broncos. He had to be like he always had home field advantage because the AFC East was terrible. So they always got like great regular Phillip season Rivers record because the they could walk through they the Jets to, and the to be, Bills know, I mean, and the Dolphins. Get out of town. The Chiefs, oh, yeah, Mahomes. They beat Mahomes and the Chiefs. So, anyways. Yeah, this last yeah, this last time. I'm just saying that I don't want to hear nothing. I think about Brady him. had a pretty easy road to the to Here. the Super Bowl for years. We just had to win two home games to get think, into the Super Bowl well, and, and I, go. I think part of it is you got that, that terrible all that time. Part of it is earning that number one seed though. Like that part of it is earning that number one seed. That's part of the advantage, right? You you were in that top spot, you're supposed to get the easier route. You're not supposed to get to play a fifth string quarterback. Like well, I, mean, I, I get that, but I mean, you got Christian McCaffrey trying to stuff a speaker into his helmet so that he can get the plays because they thought they were going to put him at quarterback, and instead they decided to just let Brock Purdy hand the ball off the rest of the game from the middle of the second quarter on. Like the game was over at that point; it was dumb and pointless. I was like, "Can we just flex to the AFC Championship game? This one's over. There's nothing they could do outside of the defense scoring." Anyways, the Eagles are obnoxious. I hate them. I'm, I don't even know why they have nothing to do with the Patriots. I was just say, They're is just this obnoxious? Is this like my irrational hatred of the Padres? Because I just like, it feels like it's the exact same thing. Not to mention they got a lucky call in the beginning of the game, which could totally change the trajectory. I don't know what the NFL, because now we're going to start talking about officiating. I don't know what the NFL is doing. How do they not go back and review that catch? There was no doubt. He's doing this thing. You know, hurry up and line up. Huddle up. Let's go. Because he knew he didn't catch it, and they don't catch that. Garbage. Garbage. Now we're going to go to officiating in the other game. Yes, the last penalty on Mahomes was a penalty. There is no doubt about that. He hit him out of bounds. You can't argue that. It was it was an unfortunate play for a kid that's a rookie. It was dumb. He's going to learn. Yes. But the rest of the game, what in the world? It's like the NFL. I, I saw a meme of a wrestling where the ref, the guy bangs up and the guy and then the ref comes in and hits the other guy and then rolls the other guy and it has the Chiefs logo on this guy, rolls him over on top of the the Bengals guy and then counts the three count and it's a pin. And that's what it felt like. The, it, on the magic punt return on the last drive, there's three blocks in the back. We're not calling any holding penalties. We're going to go ahead and give them what four chances to get a third down and when they don't get it on the fourth chance we're just going to call a holding penalty we're going to call pass interference when he yeah he may have touched the guy's back but you have to turn him you have to move him the guy didn't move it was terrible coaching i'm not a Bengals fan my son jared's a Bengals fan but it was a terrible officiating and the Bengals got screwed end of the day you can't argue the calls did not go their way and no, I do not believe the NFL is fixed. No, I do not believe there's a script. I do believe that it was terrible officiating that cost the Bengals. And it is the one thing in my mind that came for like a second saying, man, I really do think the NFL wants Patrick Mahomes to be in the Super Bowl because he's your quarter billion dollar guy on his contract and so you want to make sure that he's in the super bowl he's the guy that brings in the most money with ads he's the guy that's got all the state farm commercials and the you see him non-stop you can't not see patrick mahomes so they have to have him in the super bowl it was a fix i have another good buddy at work that's a chiefs fan and i told him i don't ever want to hear anything about the tuck rule or any other patriots getting the calls because i'm pretty sure the, the head referee and Patrick Mahomes swapped jerseys at the end of the game. It was ridiculous, and I don't want to hear it. Lastly, the Chiefs were kind of obnoxious, I, but it's hilarious, and I really do love the mayor trying to get involved in trash talk and calling it Burrowhead and everything else, and then Kelsey coming in. and It's obnoxious, but it's obnoxious in a funny way because it needed to be said. It's, it's see, funny. See, that's Mayors the, that's the right out. kind of trash talk. You want to talk yeah, about no, being obnoxious, talk about Eli Apple for the Bengals. 
the dude's like a middle of the row cornerback and all he ever does is talk trash and then gets embarrassed on the field over and over. Like, like cut him. He's good enough. I mean, I, I have no, he's a middle of the run guy. I have no problem with talking trash and then talking trash back. That's, that's nothing. The way the Eagles do things is not talking trash. It is just mean and, and there's no need for it. Like, and that's fans and the Eagles. So also I did want to just add that the last time we were on this podcast, I think one guy said that he was invoking the magic of Arrowhead. And apparently that meant the spirits of the referees were going to be changed or something, because I did say that, that there was a magic to Arrowhead. And apparently that's what it was. So I'm going to take credit for that and move on and I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. We all know like the big conspiracy of how Kansas city runs, runs this country. So we got to make sure that, you know, we keep those fans happy, you know, not, not the Cowboys, not the most lucrative, you know, team in the NFL, not the, you know, New York city, New York teams that have been trash forever. No, I don't, like, I don't Kansas know if there's, runs this country. I don't know if there's an amount of officiating help you can give the Cowboys to stop them from their own stupidity. They'll, fi- they'll figure out a way to, and we'll talk, we'll talk about them here in, here in a few minutes because I, I do have thoughts on the Cowboys situation as well. I'm not saying yeah. that it's really a fix, Danny, but if you ever had a thought that, hey, Mahomes is the, the guy, the face of the league at the moment, is he not? And we can't yeah, argue but, that. But who's the, guy who's, who's the other one that's coming up with that right now? It's Joe Burrow. Like, everybody loves Joe Burrow. Not really. Joe Burrow's your anti-hero. He's your Batman to, to Patrick Mahomes' Superman. Every, everything you I looked at on social media Superman. is like – but Joe Burrow is the Batman guy. Stop He's the it. guy smoking a cigar. He's the guy that doesn't care. And he got some flashy clothes and he, he's the anti-hero. Like people like him, but they like, but they also like hate him at the same time. It's like Batman. And then, you know, Joe Burrow's Superman. Everybody loves him. It, everybody's comparing Joe Burrow to Tom Brady and like all this other stuff. Like he's, he's totally, and Tom Brady was an anti-hero. He's totally Tell me loved he's not right an anti-hero. now. Give me a Tell break. Me Tom Brady's not your anti-hero total Batman guy. Okay. But people want to see the anti-hero. People want to see the anti-hero win too. Cause everybody wanted to see Tom Brady win. Like, I don't know. I, I think the whole, like I get Patrick Mahomes is like one of the big faces of the NFL, but Joe Burrow's kind of becoming that too. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. And I don't, really think that there's a fix i think that the Bengals got a bad a bad gig like the calls didn't go their way end of the day like yes on that third down and nine the ref tried to stop it i'm not going to argue any of that it's just bad officiating in a lot of ways and they got the bad end of the deal and that sucks and unfortunately that happens you don't want to see officials insert themselves into games to where that's what happens in in that sort of thing and that's what's hard to watch and it just makes it not as fun. As, like I want to see it happen on the field. It's it's hard. Players choke in the big time. Sometimes the officials choke in the big time too. Like it's it's it, it's a little it's bit tough. difficult there. Yeah, wasn't well officiated, and we're gonna stop talking about officials because like it just happens. Either way, the fact that Cincinnati made it to the conference championship game is a testament to how great Joe Burrow is. And I think right now though, like Mahomes is he's just the best, right? Like he is the best QB in the NFL to go out there on a high ankle sprain. Like it it was incredible that he got through the division round really, and got to the conference championship game. And then to be able to go out there and do what he did, that guy's just a gamer. How how fun is it going to be over the next four five, six, maybe 10 years? We don't really know. It's hard to predict the future, but you can see that there's a real budding rivalry between these quarterbacks these two teams these two cities you know and it's not going away i don't think i think kansas city would have been disappointed if they had to play buffalo in the championship game they wanted the Bengals. that's what they wanted and i think that we're having that we're getting this cool rivalry in between these two quarterbacks and between these two teams and so that's exciting as far as you know the future of the nfl and really the loser in all of this is josh allen because he can't keep up i mean for at the beginning of this year, he was like, man, Josh Allen's Superman, but like Burrow and Mahomes were like, Hey, not so fast. Right. Put your underwear back on under your pants, you know, like <laughs> let's you're not quite there just yet. So yeah. As you're thinking about the Super Bowl, and we'll talk a little bit more about it next week and we'll do some predictions and and talk the game a little bit more. But as you're thinking about these two quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes going into the Super Bowl. Who has more to gain by their performance in, in Super Bowl weekend? 
Jalen Hurts. Mahomes has made like an amazing name already. Mahomes has got the ridiculously huge contract. Like Jalen Hurts has a lot to prove right now to people like Ben, who are showing like they didn't get there through trial. They didn't have a hard route there. That guy has fought through adversity. I don't, I don't care what you say. Like, yeah, I, I get it. He went to Bama and to Oklahoma. It's not like he went to bad schools, but that guy's fought through adversity. He's, he's gotten where he's gotten. And I, I mean, he has a lot to gain. I think that he's got more to gain from this game than Patrick Mahomes does by far. He's got to prove no, I And don't get me wrong, Riley. It's not that I feel like Jalen Hurts is the team is, is that team. And he's next level. Like you saw when he got hurt, they were not the same team. So it is definitely Jalen Hurts team. And I feel like he has the most to gain. Obviously Mahomes has already established himself. Like Danny said at that next level, but the story of Jalen Hurts is, is something, you know, pretty remarkable, you know, getting benched down 13 to nothing in the, in the national championship game of all things, you know, and Tua comes in and, and wins that game. And so he goes into that night thinking, man, I'm going to be the quarterback at Alabama. We're going to win a national championship. And, he, you know, that is definitely not the way he saw that night going. You know, he, there's no way that he saw that at the end of the day, he's congratulating another quarterback for winning the national championship. And then he gets to go to Oklahoma and yeah, he, you know, he had a great day at Oklahoma, but he didn't win a championship or anything there. And uh, you know, and then he gets drafted to a team that already has a second overall pick at quarterback. And he's kind of sitting on the bench behind Wentz for a year, you know, until they decide to make that change. So there's been a lot of setbacks in his life and for him to just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing is a pretty remarkable story, you know? And I think that it's a reminder to all of us that, you know, we go through these tough times in our lives and we say things like, you know, why, why is this happening? Why is this going on now? Why, why is it to me? And it's not until we get to that next level that we see the why, because the good things happen and we had to go through those things. So, you know, I think that, that he's a real inspirational story as far as that goes. So for him to win it, as far as him goes, I don't want to see Philly win it for Philly fans because I hate Philly fans, but as far as Jalen hurts, I would be happy for Jalen hurts. See, I really think though, it's Mahomes has more to gain because, because I think Mahomes has the higher ceiling, right? Like I think over the next 10 years, we could be talking about Mahomes right there in the same breath as Brady, right? He's definitely more talented. Right, like he's like just overall quarterback talent, the ability, Physi- to throw physical the ball, the talent, build, ability physical to move. Talent. Right, like I don't think we've ever seen anything like Mahomes. Right, like he's changed the game, and if he can go out there and then win a championship here, right, and add a few more, like we could be talking about him as one of the greatest. He's already up there as maybe like one of the top dozen quarterbacks of all time in his relatively short career. I think like this is a way for him to cement his legacy. Um, you know, like Hertz is great. Hertz is Hertz is a good, very good, possibly great quarterback, but he's not on Mahomes' level, right? And if Mahomes wants to cement his legacy and be at that upper echelon, like he needs to win these games, right? Like he's he's gotta be out there making it happen. Yeah, but Whereas Mahomes, Hertz, I think it's like we're Mahomes just excited to be there. Mahomes is already on a Hall of Fame career trajectory right now, right? I mean, he's probably not there if he retired today, but but he's, you know, I mean, his steps are like two or three steps to go, and then he's there. This is what gets Hurts that next level. He's a good quarterback, could be great, you know, but this is that you got a Super Bowl under your belt. This is big for him to gain. Mahomes has already got that. That's this, a, is, this, this is what gets Jalen Hurts that big contract, right? Like, this is what gets him – moving forward oh he's getting paid either way yeah, uh, he's getting paid he's right but he's that. gonna get paid more I, I mean you you win that super bowl you show that you're getting the job done possibly i don't know it seems like with quarterbacks it's always just next man up doesn't really matter what you do it's like oh my contract expired i need to be the highest paid quarterback now so yeah yeah which i've never really understood but yeah it'll be interesting we'll talk a little bit more super bowl next week so we're excited to see what happens. I think we're, I think we're, we're going to talk a lot more Super Bowl next week. I we'll got, talk a lot more. I got Super a lot Bowl more thoughts week. on game and game plan and stuff. So I yeah, know I'm just we'll a fan, at, but we'll act like experts. How about that? Okay. We'll Isn't let you, we'll let you, 
Jared, you, you you definitely know a lot more than most of about what's everything. So since you know, Mr. Expert here, we're gonna talk a little bit NFL coaching carousel because we did have some interesting coaching hires. I know you had brought up Cal Kellen Moore and the Cowboys mess. I don't know if it's necessarily a mess with the Cowboys, it's more of hey Dan Quinn, don't leave. Um, but Kellen, we're gonna make you the scapegoat. Uh you know, I don't I know, disagree. like what are your thoughts think- here? I disagree. I think that it's a mess in Dallas. It's a straight up mess. They're going to have to. It's always a mess in Dallas. There's no anywhere different. I think Kellen Moore, like at first I was like, man, this, this sucks for him. They're making him the scapegoat. And then as like Monday moved on and then into Tuesday, as I started thinking and he got the chargers job, I thought, man, this guy knows once again, Kellen Moore is amazing. He knew what he was doing teams were falling over themselves as soon as the Cowboys fired him or they thought about it to, for him to be the OC in Tampa Bay and the chargers. And they don't care about breaking the Rooney rule to not, you know, interview people. They're just, they didn't care. They'll get fined. They were falling on themselves to get Kellen Moore to be their OC. He was unemployed for what? 10 minutes. It was, but I don't even think technically it was that. I think, you know, I think he'd already known he got the job before Dallas said he was fired. Um, and I think that it's best for him. Dak is garbage. They can't make Dak the scapegoat. They had to pin it somewhere else because Dak's under big contract. Dak had tied. Danny, I know you're laughing. Dak tied for the lead league in interceptions and only played 12 games this year. How are you going to make Kellen Moore the scapegoat on a team that was in the top 10 in total offense every year? He was the OC usually was second, third, fourth in points scored when he was the OC with a garbage quarterback. Dak's terrible. He lost that game. That's I mean, he's not garbage, but he's, 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 he's he's a serviceable NFL quarterback getting paid like a superstar, but as part of being the OC is developing the quarterback too. Dak's always been garbage. There's, let's be honest. There is a, there is a ceiling on your quarterbacks too, though. Like at some point, you know. You look at what he developed with Tony Pollard. I mean, here's the deal: that you can't blame Kellen, but they did. Now Mike McCarthy is on the hottest seat that you can ever have because he wants to say, "Oh, it's Kellen's fault," so I'm going to call the offense. Well, if the offense is worse next year, Mike McCarthy's gone. Like the, the, he can't have made the seat hotter for himself. Okay, here's counter argument. Here's the counter argument here, right? Because they hired Mike McCarthy, who was hired because of his offensive pedigree and what he was able to do in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. And what do they do? They're like, we're going to hold on to the guy who designed the offense previously and Mike, like, make it work, right? So, like, I think there was never going to be good working relationship between Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy, because why are we just bringing Kellen Moore back into the offense when you say that we need to make the change to the offense? And that's why we're bringing in Mike McCarthy. I will eat my shoe. Kellen should have left two years ago. I will eat my shoe on this podcast if Mike McCarthy is not fired next year. Watch it right now. He does not have the offensive mastermind that he thinks he is. He he will not be able to call plays. I don't care. You pick it. (laughs) He's fired can this I, year. Can I'm I go get your old right nasty now. boots? Because I'm I'm waiting to see this now. Mike McCarthy is not the offensive genius he thinks he is, and it's going to be tragic next year for them. Watch you sit and watch and called it right now. I, Mark it on the podcast, February second, two thousand twenty-three. I will do it. Second I, of all, I cannot be more excited for Kellen Moore and the Chargers. I know the Chargers were my Super Bowl pick at the beginning of the year because of how much I loved or not loved, but was very high on Justin Herbert. Like, and I think that this is a great opportunity for Justin Herbert to, and Kellen Moore to work together on that offense, to get a little bit more running with Austin Eckler as a fantasy owner or as a fantasy football owner, if you will, like this is exciting stuff for that offense with Kellen Moore. I think that that's um, a big deal for the chargers and and you got to be happy if you're a chargers fan. I see. Are I, we a keeper league? Because I have Justin Herbert. You know, like can, no, we're not a keeper league. I, I, I have a tendency to agree with Ben. I think that it's a good move for Kellen. I don't. I mean, you see the Cowboys. They just want to have the the blame it on guy, and they they went to Kellen. 
And the problem is it, it seems like they just listen to their fans because fans were in an outrage because of two bad plays, right? Like they ended two games horribly when they had offensive possessions, but I, that doesn't all come down on Kellen Moore, in my opinion. Like, you know, who's making all the shots. Two, it's two it's the biggest fan. It's Jerry Jones. Right. Like, and he's well, yeah. what happens when your owner is the, the general day, manager the of the team. Right. Almost, almost 30 years. There has been a problem in Dallas and his name is Jerry Jones. And until he relinquishes control, like George Steinbrenner finally did. And then the Yankees won. It, the, the Cowboys are never going to be good because he can't stop himself from making dumb boneheaded so plays. Are he you... blamed it on Tony Romo. They blamed it on Bill Parcells. They blamed it on Jason Garrett. I mean, we can go back over the history of the last 25 years for the Cowboys, and there's always a scapegoat. And guess what? It's never Jerry Jones. But one thing's been constant that whole time, and his name is Jerry Jones and all of the Jones kids that are now in high positions are, are you telling me that george costanza is going to be working for jerry jones and some i think he might already be i think he's already there it's in an alternate universe it's definitely <laughs> happening here's the reason why i think man you better get a tasty shoe to eat because jerry wants to prove that jerry is super smart right well mr jerry jones so and he hired mccarthy and he gave Dak the money, right? And Jerry's going to stick it through. It's like he wants to prove that he knew something that everybody else didn't know. I think that he's going to give McCarthy as many chances as possible. So I don't know, man. I, That's you're, it. you're putting I a love... lot of faith in like the one of the most irrational <laughs> his... people on the planet to his... make irrational. Can you, can you cook a shoe? <laughs> I don't need to cook it. I'll just cut up the toe and throw it in my mouth. <laughs> we have to eat her. the whole thing. The whole shoe? I'll die. <laughs> that literally <laughs> will kill me. I literally will die. I'm not dying for this podcast. Uh, but you didn't say I'd take a bite out of my shoe. You said I would eat my shoe. Well, I don't think I have to worry about it because McCarthy is an idiot. He's the Actually, Jerry Jones is the reason, but Mike McCarthy is definitely not the answer. I promise you. Right now, Dan Quinn will be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys in the 2024 football season. See, and I don't like that. I, I, anyway, well, we'll talk about this. All right. Best new hire, though. So you've got – we finally have filled all of the coaching vacancies and, shocker, Jim Harbaugh is still at Michigan, even though he keeps flirting with the NFL and none of them want to hire him. So the Texans go and get D'Amico Ryans who was um, former linebacker there. And then also the DC at the, for the 49ers that they did a great job. The Cowboys go out and get Sean Payton or not the Cowboys, the Broncos, the Broncos. go out and get Sean Payton. And then um, the Panthers hire the Colts, former coach, Frank Wright. I think that should fill all the positions. I think Indianapolis, I don't know if they still have the TV analyst, the center turn TV analyst, Jeff Saturday still is their head coach. That was a disaster. Um, but if you're ranking these three from best to worst, so Peyton, Reich, Ryan's, how are you ranking these coaching hires? I think Peyton's got to be number one. If anything's going to turn around that Denver team, it's Sean Peyton. If Russell Wilson can't do it with Sean Payton, then Russell Wilson's obviously something different. He's a little bit, he's, he's obviously a little bit better runner than Drew Brees, but he's, he's a lot of Drew Brees. He's a little shorter quarterback, got a decent arm, pretty smart guy. He, he's got a lot of Drew Brees similarities, so I'd have to go Payton. D'Amico Ryans, I'm excited about. Now, granted, Houston's not very good football team, so it's going to be tough for him, but his defensive mind and what he's done with that San Francisco 49ers defense um, last year and obviously even the year before, that's next level. So I think if you're a Houston Texans fan, you got to be super stoked about that. And uh, I, I'm excited for D'Amico Ryans. It's good for him. It's a uh, it's a great hire. He's That's exciting. And then last, Frank Wright. I don't know, whatever. I mean, it's just because he's a name and he was a head coach. I don't understand why. I mean, it doesn't it makes almost as much sense as Jeff Saturday. So that's it. Yeah. I'm, I'm in that exact same order. I think that Sean Payton's a great hire for the Broncos. And I think that they just, they need something different. And, you know, it's kind of that thing. They, they went in on, on they went in on Russell Wilson. Now they've got to try to figure out how to make it work. And I think that Sean Payton can do that. And 
Um, like, like Ben said, D'Amico Ryan's, I think that's a great, I mean, that's a great call. The Panthers are just the Panthers. And so it's, you know, anyways, so yeah, that's the same order. So, okay. I'm probably agree with you in the same order. I mean, Peyton's he's a hall of fame coach, right? Ryan's. I think he did a great job with the defense with San Francisco. I worry about him lasting beyond a year or two with Houston, just because that team's going to be terrible. And Houston has this idea of we're going to hire these coaches. And then when they don't win with the team, that's not built to win, we're going to fire them. So like, I worry about that. Frank Wright. Okay. Indianapolis, it seemed like kind of a disaster, but he was great when he was alongside Doug Peterson as the offensive coordinator with Philadelphia. And he was able to make Carson Wentz an MVP candidate, which is a miracle in and of itself. Right. And then was able to win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. So like, I think Frank Wright, and maybe a lot of that's Doug Peterson, look at what he was able to do with the Jaguars, but how much of him as a coach was, Indianapolis is just a very terribly run organization with an owner that can't get out of the way or like that. He's like a bad, that he's a bad coach, right? Like Jim Ursay is out of control and what he's doing with Jeff Saturday and everything there is laughable. Right. And so is it Frank, Wright Or is it something else? I, I, here's the deal. I don't know who you, you could have stuck Bill Belichick in there. And I don't think that it's going to make much of a difference in Carolina. They're not a good team. They're just not a good team. They don't have any talent. They don't have anything. I mean, they're just not good. So I don't know that it really matters who you stuck there. Frank Wright, sure, he's a good guy. Put him in there as a place filler until you get some talent on that team, and then you can find a head coach. I think that's what it is for me is that's that's what he is. He's just – he's a placeholder. He's – a guy to stick in there until you get some talent and some good drafts. And maybe then you can find a good coach. Yeah. That was the thing for me. I, I thought when they were interviewing Kellen Moore, I'm like, that would be a waste for Kellen Moore because he doesn't have anything to work with over there. It's just there. Like Ben said, it's just a bad team right now. There's no, no talent, nothing there to work with. Well, I am excited to see Kellen Moore with the Chargers. I was going to say in San Diego, but he's not. He's going to be in L.A. with the Chargers and be able to see what happens there. I, it is interesting, though. D'Amico Ryans, I think he's a great coach. But if you look at the teams that are lasting in the playoffs and going to the Super Bowl, what side of the ball are those head coaches? And he reads an offensive coach. Sirianni's an offensive coach, Right. With the teams that constantly underperform in the playoffs, Buffalo has a defensive head coach, right? Like you're looking at this, the Cowboys had an offensive head coach, but if you look at it, right, you had Zach Taylor's an offensive head coach, right? Um, Kyle Shanahan's an offensive head coach. All these guys that are offensively minded head coaches, they're the ones that are lasting in the playoffs. They're the ones with success. I worry about hiring somebody on the defensive side of the ball. They seem to underperform. Look what's happening with the chargers, right? Maybe Kellen Moore can fix that, but I think you need to have a head coach that understands offense with the way that the, the game is being played right now. So. As we see with even San Francisco against the Eagles, you know, I mean, as much as I make fun of, and, and sometimes it's hard on the defense when you have, literally no offense because you don't have a quarterback that can even throw the ball. So, you know, the Eagles were stacking literally eight, nine guys in the box every play. Um, But, you know, the Eagles put up 31 points on that San Francisco 49ers defense. Sometimes it's really hard to just keep that going defensively like that for, you know, through the playoffs. So. Yep. The, the old, the old dad, ism that defense wins championships may not always be true yeah yeah i I think you need a defense to win championships but right now it seems like the the offense is what's winning it and i think like you look at that both in basketball and football right now offensive games are what's making score more points than the other team you win the game it's that's usually how it works offense there you. you go that's you don't get that kind of insight on most shows, everybody. That's, <laughs> that's why you listen in. Well, the last you can also thing, say 
give up fewer points than the other team <laughs> and you win the game. Like, yeah. Last NFL thing before we move on here is that it is the Pro Bowl this week, which you probably didn't know because there's nothing worth watching on the Pro Bowl. I do think it's interesting that in the NFL, like all of the other major sports leagues, it's the all-star game. But notice the NFL does not call it an all-star game, especially after they put like Tyler Huntley in. It's kind of like a some star game like like there are some stars here and then there's just a bunch of other guys that we're just throwing in like Derek Carr. there's a bunch of pros playing in a bowl game like this this is the yeah. pro bowl like Derek, Derek Carr really like <laughs> Derek, Derek Carr Snoop Huntley like like yeah this this is not an all-star game this is there there are some stars here there it's, it's dumb they're not even playing football anymore it's flag football this year right like, we're gonna tear flags off like we're gonna we're gonna know? play dodgeball and then play flag football and, and i saw they're I just doing a funny. pe class they're in a high school pe class for a week i saw i saw they were doing the skills challenge and stuff today and i saw um i was looking at facebook this evening Wasn't and, there a water balloon toss or something i don't know but then there was um there was this thing with there was an interview with Derek Carr. And I thought it was funny because I'm like, why is he at the Pro Bowl? Like, that's the first thought I see is like, <laughs> like he literally got ran out of town in the middle of the season, but he's at the Pro Bowl. Like Pro Bowl. Well, it's in like, Vegas and he's already there. So they're like, oh, we don't have to, we don't have to fly him anywhere. You know? like, I guess. I don't know. I just show up. <laughs> and they're like, hey, have you ever had a night like this in Vegas? Because he's like, he was great at the skills challenge or something. And he's like, just straight to the point, honesty. He's like, no, nah, no, I guess I've never had a night this good. In Vegas. That's why I'm going to be playing somewhere else next year. <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, at least he recognized." You know, I mean, oh. that's, that's that's probably the best highlight of the entire Pro Bowl weekend. So it's just even yeah. even going back as far as the '90s and and the early 2000s. For me, the Pro Bowl has never been exciting. Has never been fun. Yeah. The coolest thing about the Pro Bowl is the Skills Challenge. I remember Danny and I when we were kids in the mid '90s after watching the Pro Bowl Skills Challenge, we'd make our own Skills Challenge and put up little hoops so we could throw footballs at it and stuff like the quarterback challenge was going on because that was the most exciting thing of the Pro Bowl was the Skills Challenge. And can I say like it's not for a lack of ESPN and all of them trying to make it interesting because all I ever see on my social media feeds right now is all these old videos of like Pro Bowl skills challenges and that's the only thing they'll show and they're just like throwing it in your face like check this out check this out it was the Pro Bowl ones like this was so that's cool because like, it was cool all like, right it's not the skills challenge I'm, was cool. like okay so they're like seeing how far the quarterbacks can throw the ball like yeah, that was hey, awesome. Cool. Like, <laughs> and they threw the ball with the little blue chalk on it and they hit the little targets. Like, yeah, that was, that was awesome. Great. That was the coolest thing ever. Stupid. Like, I mean, old school John Harbaugh with his hat backwards, throwing <laughs> balls with blue chalk on it Jim to Harbaugh. a target. John Harbaugh Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Jim Harbaugh. You know what I meant. But yes, yeah, Jim Harbaugh throwing with the Colts, you know. But like, the, but that's how sad it is nowadays, then, even is the only way they can get excitement around it is if they show nostalgic videos to all these people that are like, oh, yeah, that yeah. was cool. Brett Favre throwing at the balls like on fire as it goes, you know, like it was here's, great. Here's Troy Aikman and Steve Young and Brett Favre and some cool guys when they did it back in the day. Yeah. Now, now when Troy Aikman was doing it, he was showing off his best skill. Like they had him go hand off to different running backs. It was amazing. Right. Just, like, here's he was Emmett. Right. Oh, here's Emmett. Yeah, that was all he did. <laughs> here, throw the ball five yards to Moose Johnston because that's the furthest you could throw the ball. You know. Anyways. Yeah. I think like at this point, like, because the Pro Bowl, so this is where, okay, let's talk all-star games, right? Because all-star games are starting to get a wrap for being, well, boring because they kind of are. And I think part of it is that you don't want to get together for this exhibition game and people get injured, right? I think football is the hardest all-star game to execute because there's just like naturally it's such a violent sport. Basketball is also a difficult all-star game to execute because they're big, they're strong. They're flying at a thousand miles an hour and trying to like play baseball. It seems like is the perfect time for an all-star game. Cause you can just play like a pretty normal baseball game without an increased risk of injury. Right. Like it's, it's not that out of, out of nature to just go out and play baseball, which what makes it, that much more, I think, like interesting and magical to be able to watch versus some of the all other all star games. Most of them are kind of, yeah, Joke. Just, like the skills well, challenges, like the three point contest, more interesting than the all star game in the NBA, right? right? Absolutely, like, and right. the dunk contest mm -hmm. back in the day, maybe not so much anymore, but 
like, and I am kind of interested in at least they've recognized that. And they're like, we'll just make it flag football. So I am interested in that premises because at least it may be entertaining to watch flag football. I'll probably give it a try and see what I get out of it. Um, the other thing I think that really hurts the pro bowl, and I don't know that you could do it a different way, but some of these guys have been on vacation for five weeks, you know, I mean, the, the regular season ended four, well, four weeks ago, three weeks ago. I mean, these guys are already not, I mean, they cleaned out their lockers. They don't, they don't want to be there. That's why you can't get good guys there. Cause they don't want to go. They've been at home and they've been with their families. They've gone to Cabo. They've, you know, gone to Bordeaux, France or whatever. I don't know where they go on vacation, but they don't care. They don't want to come back and do this. And I think that's why it's so hard for the pro bowl. It's just pointless. Like, and it's unfortunately not something they can do in the middle of the season like you do with the other sports. It just doesn't work out right. that way in football. Right. right. You can't take an all-star break in football. But I do want to say – Everyone take I, a week off and play flag football. Here we go. Right. right, right yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to say, and I mentioned this to you guys, but Josh Allen claiming injury, right, and not going to the Pro Bowl so that he can go to Pebble Beach and play golf is like the most relatable thing ever, right? He's – he's getting an excuse to not go to work so that he can go play golf. Like that's what we all think about every single day. Right. Yeah, he called, he called in sick. He called in sick. Right. Play like, golf, but then he's dumb and posted it on social media. So now he's right. like, hot. Right. Know, so. <laughs> so relatable. He's, though. he's literally it. on TV playing golf. Like, <laughs> oh, <dang>. <laughs> <laughs> How did they know? Oh. Dang it. I got caught. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the pro, so the Pro Bowl's happening. If you're interested, go watch it. I have zero interest in the Pro Bowl at this point to be able to watch it. And because, yeah, the, it seemed like though in the 90s, most of the big stars like went, I think they went begrudgingly, but they went now, like they're just not going. And so that's where like it's, it doesn't mean anything like to be, to be a pro, to be an all-star in the NBA, to be an all-star in major league baseball, it means something. It doesn't mean anything to be a pro bowler anymore because so many guys opt out. Right. Like, well, you, most of the time you don't hear, Oh, pro bowl lineman. You hear all pro, you know, that's what all, you hear. In all the pro, all pro. He's an all pro because that's what yeah. matters. That's like being named to the all-star game. Like that's what matters. Yep. Yep. Well, it is February now which means this is the month that spring training starts. So it's never too like, early to talk. We're only baseball. like two weeks away. Like yeah. Pitchers uh, and catchers yeah. are about to report. Two weeks yeah. of pitchers and catchers. Which means let's talk some MLB rule changes. So if you weren't following along, there were a few rule changes over this off season going into the next baseball season. Now, I know Riley and Ben, you guys are a little bit uh, get off my lawn, you know, like you're, you guys are a little bit more of a progressive commercial, you know, new homeowner turning into your parents type when it comes to baseball <laughs> with rules here. You know, you're, you got the locks on the trash trash can. You're, you're right, cleaning right, right. everything. Yeah, I put yeah, my yeah. I put my address on the trash can. I, I always wondered, like, why is that bad? Like, you, gotta, you can never be too careful. When when I go to the trash, movie theater, when I, when I go to the movie theater, I get like a chair for the jackets, just so that yeah, we you can, have the uh, jacket chair, the jacket yeah. chair. Yeah, I'm more yeah, like the so, long line monitor guy, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. See, I'm a little bit more. I'm open to this, right? And so let's talk rule changes. So the first rule change that I know, Riley, you're going to freak out about is that they're they're monitoring where infielders can can be, right? So no more of this four outfielders, no more of this three infielders on the on the right side of the infield or the left side of the infield. You can't put four guys between first and second base. Like I've seen just have them all lined up there, yep, you know, yep, like, yep. like you can't, you can't do that anymore. Right. So like banning the shift. I love it. I think this is great because if you look at most of the other pro sports, right. The NBA, you can't just park a center in the key, right? Why? Because we want to see dunks, right? Like we want to see the lane open every now and then, you know, you don't want to just stick a center there and not have that there. So there's, there's that NFL, there's so many formation rules on what you can and can't do. Baseball's finally stepping in and saying, Hey, 
this was one way that we could exploit the rules that 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 really hurt some of our biggest star players of being able to get hits so they're hitting the ball 108 miles an hour and they're at, you know and there's a second baseman you know or just standing out there in shallow right field and then throwing him out like that's dumb right let's reward good like hitting here i'm all for this riley tell me why i'm wrong okay first off i gotta ask you a question what formation rules are there in the nfl that are different from other football leagues you can't you can't have you you have to report tackle eligible you have to you have to do that in high school they don't announce it you have to go tell the officials that this guy is eligible and they tell the other team or he's ineligible or whatever yeah if it's a number all right there's used to there's no difference in the nfl and high school as far as that kind of stuff like formations and stuff go i get you can change it to high school so so how many high school teams are shifting the way that they do okay but high schools get to high schools get to play the zone and in basketball so okay you just made our argument you just made the argument for him okay but i'm saying is like in the NFL, it's all the same. In the ba- in basketball, it's different. So it's not in every sport that they're always. But the doing. NFL, if you fall on the ground, if no one touches you, you can get up and run. That's a different rule. There are different rules sometimes because I, it's I get I get that. There's different two rules feet in bounds instead of one foot in bounds. And... There's also different rules in baseball. So I mean, it's just my thing about the shift is I, I get it, and the whole thing the reason why you're doing the shift is because. You're trying to make baseball interesting for people that don't want to understand baseball. You're trying to make baseball interesting for people who have to see 12 runs a game in order to feel interested. I I get it. But look at the NBA. How many people hate the NBA nowadays, Ben, because of the way they play the game now and the way the rules have changed? It's the same things happening in the MLB. The more you make rules changes like that, you're starting to drive away baseball people from baseball i disagree i think that this is more and i'm i've kind of gone back and forth on this for a long time but with a lot of the, some of these changes i think that you know bigger bases i don't understand the point it's whatever it's whatever it's dumb it doesn't make any sense to me the you, i understand that you can't step off so many times i don't know if i necessarily like a pitch clock but i like something different we'll get into some of that but as far as the shift goes i think go back through 150 years of baseball they didn't do this and this is a new thing right like this is a a relatively new thing tony gwynn didn't have to face facing three guys on the right side well i mean tony gwynn could hit it anywhere but you know ken griffey jr didn't face this babe ruth didn't face this hank aaron didn't face this even barry bonds who totally changed the face of hitting in a lot of ways with the intentional walks and some of these things didn't face these shifts that we're facing now and what we're doing. I think this is actually a proactive move by baseball to say, this is going against the spirit of the game and what's going on. And you need to line this up to give our fans something. There's nothing more frustrating than you're watching on TV. You're like, yeah, base hit. And then it's, Oh no, Chuck Knobloch and, right field field that didn't through the guy well chuck knoblock couldn't have made that throw but you know what i mean jose he, he thrown it to the dugout yeah. right 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 jose altuve playing 300 feet away fields a ground ball and throws him out at first like you know what i mean like not yeah, 300. I, i'm being dramatic but like i don't like it even pure baseball people don't like it Riley just wants to be that I'm smarter than you and I'm more intelligent than you because I understand the true essence of baseball and we can't dumb it down for people that, that don't like baseball, but you got to be a true baseball purist to enjoy baseball. Like all that's doing is making it so we don't have baseball anymore. Stop being a baseball elitist. You're not an elitist. You're not in the 1%. You may be in the 1% of understanding baseball. And I've always said, I got a baseball back here. I can do the old, I don't remember the name of the movie. I don't think it's Hoosiers. But anyways, you draw a dot on the ball. It's Pistol Pete Maravich's movie. You draw a dot on the ball, and I'll be like, this is what you know about baseball, and the baseball is what I know about baseball. It's different. I, it's, that's where I'm at. I'm at that level of knowing baseball. But I'm not arrogant enough to think that I can't let other people enjoy the game or something minor like this change. I'm not going to try to play like I'm an elitist and need to, See, to but- avoid that. Baseball is not a game that you enjoy unless you understand it. Anyways, casual fans don't truly enjoy baseball. 
Like, You're I, wrong. I'm sorry. It's why? In, I, I in, the, why? in the 1900s until 19. 19- 85 or so until technology the, made the it so that you can be instantly world, gratified by everything the like, whole entire world enjoyed ba- not world but the whole country enjoyed baseball everybody enjoyed baseball even casual fans enjoyed baseball they watched it they listened to it on the radio it was their life they'd go to a game and you'd watch it so yes casual people can enjoy baseball not in today's age but but when baseball was more popular the games were two hours long two and a half hours long right there was a lot more action they were stealing bases hold up hold up hold up the ball was put in play there was a lot of things that were happening and a lot of what we're saying right now people who are casual baseball fans is nothing happens like we have the the three true outcomes of homer walk strike out there's not a lot going on a lot of these rule changes are trying to get to the where you have more guys on base, you get more singles, you get more doubles. Like you, as you can control where the defenders are playing, you're able to get guys on base. And then also with some of the other rule changes, Ben, you kind of mentioned some of these, the bigger bases, the throwing over it's to encourage and entice stealing. It's to encourage and entice movement in the game, to get some action going, to get, to get things going again in baseball, because Riley, Baseball's dying, whether you want to admit it or not. No, I, I, baseball I don't is disagree. Dying and you need to bring in casual fans. I don't you disagree. need to bring in people think... that don't understand the game and make it more interesting. I don't disagree. I think that baseball is in many ways dying in that aspect. But I can tell you right now that people that are like, like I have kids that I know that are diehard baseball players. They do baseball 24-7. They play year round. They don't like watching baseball. And I don't think that banning the shift changes that. Like. Yeah, but it, but it can't over time. It's not a bad. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's not going to drive people away. All it's going to do, it may make a small change, and a bunch of these small changes did you know for years. Oh, the NL can't have the DH because it's true baseball when we have pitchers hit. How much was baseball ruined last year when the NL had the DH? Oh, it was better. Did it did it ruin the MLB last year? No. If anything, it was better and it was more fun. And so you make these small little changes over time to make the game more accessible to people because we love the game. And you can't just play it to the one percenters. You can't do it. You may be a one percent, not financially, but a baseball guy. You're a one percenter. I'm a one percenter. Danny's a one percenter. But we have to understand as the one percenters that if we want the game to continue and to have these guys and our best athletes and some of our most athletic people come play the game of baseball, we have to make it fun and enticing again, not just for one percenters. And what's interesting is that the people who are the big fans of baseball that are most upset about all of this, they go on and they say how much they hate this and how they're never going to watch a baseball game again are the ones that are most interacting with the MLB on social media and are like watching every game and like no one's leaving. It's like, Oh, I'm never watching an NFL game again because these guys are kneeling and then they're watching next week to see who's kneeling. Right. Like, like they're not leaving. Right. Like it's just, there's, there's all this outrage and then nobody does anything about it. Right. So, I mean, for the most part, they're going to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not an, an economical socialist, but I am a baseball socialist. Let's, let's do some things that don't make this, this thing. I mean, what are we cricket? Like, you know what I mean? Like that's where baseball is going to become. If you're not careful, it's going to be cricket. Like it's going to be Australian rules football where people just like stare at the TV. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Change the channel. Remember watching that when we were little, when that used to be what was on ESPN? That was great. All right. Total aside. Go ahead, Riley. Well, okay. But I think the more rules you add, the more confusing it gets, doesn't it? I mean, like, I'm sorry, can step off two times, but on the third, it's a, it's an auto Bach. Like that's confusing to people. How is that confusing? Um, like now people are like, wait, so why'd that guy get to go to se-? like, if a casual fan's not going to understand why the heck that guy got to go to second base all of a sudden, if you jumped off for sides no reason, they threw a flag, right? Well, why did they, Oh, they threw a flag because he's holding. What do you mean? He's holding. They hold all the time. Like it, it, that's what, that's like, where you have analysts that explain what's happening. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. They, so they, like you're watching baseball without knowing what's going on. Okay. But then, then I'm not getting your argument then at that point, because how in the world is it going to get to a point where it's not making sense if you don't add these rules? Like, 
not changing the game it's doesn't make it that confusing. It's not that it's not sense. It's that I'm not you getting are, your argument then. You're that trying to shorten the game. You can't step off 15 times to stop a guy okay. from running. So now guys and, and, you're, and you're trying to entice and guys guys you're trying go, to entice guys And you're going to have bases. guys moving and running and people getting hits in the double and a single because and a guy can go from first to third because there's not a rover playing in right field. You don't have a rover out there. This isn't slow pitch softball like and that's what's happened right now and so you don't have a guy going from first to third you don't have these things happening you don't have steals you don't have movement because you've because guys will just step off 50 times no matter how many times the crowd boos like make rules that shorten the game that give it excitement that give it action that you don't have this literally there's times you're going three minutes and the guy's just stepping off or throwing over like it's it's dumb We've been there. I mean, uh, what, what you're if, a Red Sox fan. You know about the games with no action. And well, that's because we're terrible. But you know how terrible. How you know Dave Roberts speaking to the Red Sox still in that base. Everybody knew he was going, and he still was able to do it. Like, let's do that stuff. Ricky Henderson has more steals of third base alone than any player has ever dreamed about. Dreamt about having in current day baseball. Like, and that's just stealing third. Like. Let's let's, we, let's let's get some stuff going. My Billy Bean break baseball. Bill James, Bill James, Bill James, Bill James broke baseball. It, and here's my problem. This is where my bias comes out, and this is why I'm irrational about it. Is every one of these rules is strictly just hurting pitchers? Like that's the only thing it does is hurt pitchers. Okay, but if you look at it, offense has never been more difficult now than it has ever been. Right. Like so okay, all so, of these guys so are in the, throwing 98 miles so, an hour. So ban the 100 mile an hour fastball. Like, how are you going to ban a 100 mile an hour? But that's fastball? what I'm saying. But that's, that's what I'm why saying. Last, like, they, they were they were proposing and, moving and the not, mound back a foot, and you were upset about that. I'm just not, saying this like, isn't the first time this has happened. When Bob Gibson was unstoppable in 1967, what did the they do? Oh, they lowered the mound. You're acting like this is some newfangled thing that we're doing. This is what baseball has done. We've gone through dead ball. They've changed the ball. They've livened the ball. They've deadened the ball. They've changed rules all the way back to the beginning of time. And just because you're so, you can't be scared to let rules to be changed because technology's changed. The days changed. The game has changed. You can't be afraid of change. And this is just the being afraid of change on your part. I know I'm usually on your side on some of this stuff, but you're wrong on this. Like you can't be afraid of change. My my favorite actually is the pickoff rule. I love this. I think, I think that's going to make it so much more interesting as, as a, I think fan I think, that is paying attention and be like, okay, you picked over twice. Now, what do you do as a runner? Do you shorten your lead? Do you like take like a 25 foot lead? Like, like, what do you do? Because you're like, if he picks off, like, you know, that he has to get you. Otherwise it's an automatic box. Like this is, this is great. Like this is going to make it so much more interesting depending on. And then as a pitcher, you're like, if they, if you haven't picked, if you haven't thrown over yet and they're taking a big lead, do you risk throwing over? Like, like how, like there's going to be you a better lot learn how to slide step goes into catchers it. better like, learn how to throw pop time. I mean, I, I just think it, it, it adds another element to the game that makes you have to I, think and be more strategic. I, I love I it. Do, I do like that because it brings small ball into play. And I like to see small ball in baseball, but that's also something that has been widely like hated on is like, just go up there and swing for the fences. Great. Let's change. Right. So then this encourages small ball to be efficient. And so then the, right. you're changing the analytics. And if you have the shift, if you have the shift, what are you going to do? You have to swing for the fence. No, you, because... you play small ball and you hit in a hole. Like okay, you, but, you hit against the shift. But, but how do you, Ortiz, how do you go oppo on a 98 mile an hour fastball high and tight? You can't place it. This isn't Tony Gwynn. Not everybody's Tony Gwynn. You can't do it. Guys are built this way. Guys have played baseball because they were big and strong and they have no choice but to swing for the fences because you pitch them inside. They're not going to be able, what are you going to do? Go to, go to, go to, to go oppo on an inside 98 mile an hour fastball on I mean, a 90. Derek, I mean, you can't go up. Derek, Derek Jeter, Jeter can push like it to the, the only opposite. guy ever yeah. that could do that. Like don't, you can't say that because the pitchers can then pitch inside. And now I can't go oppo. And now all I can do is swing for the fence because I can't hit a ground ball or a line drive because it's an automatic out. Like 
That's what makes this game. Now there's going to be more action of small ball. I think making the shift actually gives you more small ball because you can do hit and runs a little bit more. You can have guys that you get a ball and a guy goes from first to third. And we don't have that anymore. Nobody goes first to third because these shifts and everything else that's going on. Like this is action that we need in the game. And it lets the fielders make plays, right? Because they're not standing in the perfect position. So you're going to get more web gems. You have more of these second basemen diving for the ball and then twisting and throwing. And you have, you have those plays that we haven't seen in a long time. Why? Because they're like, they just get the ground ball, pick it up and throw it. Like you haven't had that Justin in a Pedroia long time. It makes it more interesting. that crazy dive and spinning and throwing from his knees as hard as he can because he's tiny. Like, but, you know, going all out, like... It's just, you know, yeah, I agree. It's it's going to be baseball the way that we remember it. See, the purest, the old guys should enjoy this because it's going to be more like it was when we were kids. Yeah. I never, ever faced a guy when I never faced when there was three guys on the left side because I was a dead pole hitter. It never happened. There was still just a third baseman and a shortstop. Like, I guarantee you as a lefty, you never had to face three guys on the right side of the second base. I, I but if you're huge. a pole right-handed hitter. It doesn't matter though, because like, that's a hard, that's a harder throw, right? Like there's a disadvantage to have guys on the left side versus the right side of the infield. Right. You can't, you can't park a guy in left center. Cause he's not going to be able to throw him out at first base. If but you're you doing still, that. but even nowadays, you've still seen three guys left side of second base. They'll you move. Do. Yeah. I, yeah. They'll move the shortstop into the five hole, and... but it's not, it's not as big of a defensive advantage as it is for the, for the no, left. handed Okay. The, the other thing I want to bring up is. The other, the other three parts of that, the shift, the pitch clock, like all that, I get it. The bigger bases is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Like, I, I don't like, it's just stupid. Like no, no, that, no, no. Is, that is a dumb change. I get it. Oh, well now you're closer. So you're closer for steals or what? Like, right. no, that's it's stupid. Like it's also a safety thing because it makes it so that you're less likely I, to be. It doesn't, to it doesn't on. make it, it doesn't make a difference to me. So I don't really care. But it's just like it sounds stupid. Like it's just dumb. Like, hey, let's make the bases bigger. Like, I think that's but dumb. like that little bit. I mean, especially with the replays now, where they are so precise on the out calls. Like, it it does entice you. It because it changes the math, right? How much of baseball right now is about analytics and it's about the math? It changes the math on whether you should steal or not. The probability of getting the of being safe on a stolen base is significantly higher, which entices teams to steal more, right? And adds action to the game. I, I'm all for it. I like it. They didn't change uh, home plate. Keep home I, plate right. the same. I just think it's a waste. I think it's dumb. You have to keep, I mean, if you change home plate, that's hurting hitters again. Like they're not going to do that. All of a sudden you're making it harder for hitters. Make home plate smaller. They could make it smaller. Make strike zones smaller. That'd be dumb. We don't that would be dumb. But I'll they do are it. doing. Triple A is doing automated strike zone. So for half here's, the season. Going, I'm going down to, with that. Talking about that. Here's here's my compromise. Where is it that I saw that they're doing challenge? So they'll they'll, they'll give a challenge. You still have a an umpire, but you so can cha- you can challenge the pitches. They but, were doing that actually. So, in so the that's Triple A. That's going to be half the season. going to be fully automated. Right. Half's going to be challenge. But they're going to do like, Triple A. I like the idea of the challenge. I don't like the idea of the fully automated. I like the idea of the challenge and you have so many. And if you're wrong, like I agree. And it's just, like, just a, like a challenge. And it's like a, thing, it's like right? a tennis challenge too. It's right. almost instant. It shows the little right. thing of work. If it's, it's not going to slow the game down, not. it's not going to, it's like right? tennis. Yeah. And you get so many challenges. I like so. that idea better than a fully automated. I actually do umpire. like that. That's a, that's a good compromise in my opinion. It's going to make the umpires better. Ex- yeah. I'll agree with you on that. Yeah, I will just say to your point about this is going to make the game more confusing. Any rule change, whether they do it in the NBA, whether it's NFL, whatever, they always have the analysts that are out there explaining the rule changes at the beginning. So, like, I don't think that that's an issue. Like, they're going to rule changes are going to happen. And this is a way to just be able to say, hey, this is a point of emphasis this year, or this is something new that they're doing this year. It's going to happen. And it gives us something else to talk about in during the dead periods of a baseball game. So, which makes it a little bit more fun to watch. I'm excited for this. I'm excited to see what happens. And we get world baseball classic this year, which we'll have to talk about at some point and see, because team USA looks really good, but the Dominicans look really good as well. Got some other teams that may be, that may be challenging. So we'll have to look at that. 
All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for sticking with us here. Um, hope you enjoyed it. And again, check us out. You know where to find us on Apple Podcasts. We can find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Acast, which is what hosts our podcast here. Like our Facebook page. You'll see some updates there. If you like what you're hearing, let us know. If you don't, keep that to yourself. We don't want to hear it. Uh, if there's something you want to you want to listen to, you want us to talk about, feel free to chime in and, and give us a holler. Tune in next week. We're going to do, I think, kind of a Super Bowl episode, yeah? Yeah. You know, we don't need to talk about baseball rule changes. Like, I love baseball, but hey, it's Super Bowl. We're going to talk Super Bowl next week. Are, are we allowed to say Super Bowl? If, if they want to sue I us. I guarantee you <laughs> we're not making any money off of seeing Super Bowl on this podcast. Okay. We will talk about the big game in football that will be happening soon. The duper dole. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you all have a great week. We out.